and welcome to the latest episode of the Digital CXO Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bizarre, and my guest today is Charlene O'Hanlon, Chief Operating Officer and Editor-at-Large for TechStrong Group, publisher of DevOps.com, Security Boulevard, Container Journal, and of course, Digital CXO. Let's dive in. Charlene, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. appreciate it. There's a lot of talk these days about the metaverse, and I'm not even sure it's a new idea. I seem to remember Second Life and a few other things, but now... Recently, I talked to a company out of Canada who's building out holograms and you won't need to travel because you can send your hologram instead. My question to you, Charlene, is do you think the metaverse is for real or is it the latest overhyped thing that a bunch of venture capitalists are pushing? Well, I would say yeah, it is real and it is overhyped. And uh, I think that uh, there are certain real-world applications for the technology. I actually recently did an interview for TechStrong TV with a company that is using the, uh, the uh, Facebook Oculus uh, headsets to have stand-up meetings in a virtual environment. They have a disparate uh, developer workforce. And this is one way that they can actually pull everybody together to quite literally be in the same place, but virtually, but they can actually all use the same whiteboard. They can all uh, do everything that they need, have the conversations that they they need to have uh, and do it in a virtual environment. Uh, but it, I, I had the chance to actually uh, interact with the technology and it's pretty nifty. It is, uh, it is worlds above Second Life. And so I do believe that there are some real world applications to, to this "Quote unquote meta universe that that everybody keeps hyping, uh, but I do believe that there is still a lot of hype to it, and where uh, I don't think we are to the point to where I'm going to send my hologram to a conference uh, because uh, because I can. I, I I think that there are certain experiences that should be replicated in in a uh, in a meta universe and certain ones that you know if I, I still very much believe in personal interaction uh with a real person and not just a hologram mm. i think that we'll still need to have the occasional business meeting in the office and i also think there'll be a need to go to conferences because those interactions are in the hallway and all other kinds of places however i do believe that we all haul people in for meetings from distant locations just for the sake of catching up and uh, trying to maintain some sort of interaction. And many of those meetings, I think, are going to disappear if I, if it could just be a quick little hologram interaction. Maybe we don't need to have people fly in for you know two days of meetings within the headquarters itself. Well, that's uh, you know that's. Very similar to the experience that I recently had with uh, the Oculus and, and having, uh, you know, having the interaction in a, a virtual environment. But the the technology has progressed to the point where there's a spatial audio, so a person sitting on your left sounds like they're sitting on your left and talking to you. It comes in through your, your left ear um, and you actually turn around physically to see the rest of the environment. It's, it's really very much a sensory uh, experience, which is what you would get in person that, that a virtual environment like, like a Zoom call does not provide. So yes, 
I think that that a lot of those interactions can be held in a virtual environment, and I would I would support that one hundred percent. But I don't think that there's the technology is ubiquitous enough yet to do that because the the Oculus headsets, first of all, they're three hundred dollars per, and um, until the price goes down and the technology becomes more streamlined, I don't think there's going to be wholesale adoption. Also, the battery life on the Oculus right now is only something on the order of uh, an hour and a half, which doesn't make for uh, a lot of uh, interactions uh, throughout the day. So there's going to have to be more advances in the technology before this truly becomes ubiquitous. But I do agree with you that there will be a time when uh, I would say a good 75 to 80% of the meetings that are on my calendar right now will just go well they won't go away but they won't be had in the the way that they traditionally have been either via zoom or uh, by flying out and having conversations yeah maybe one day i'll just send my avatar and it will tell me what happened later so i don't actually go to the meeting just something else represents me at that meeting (laughs) that's that's a slippery slope there What do you think will be the impact on frequent flyer mileage if we do all this? I wonder if airlines are going to see less uh, business and these are important customers to them. So I don't know. Should we start shorting all those uh, airline stocks again? Well, I don't know about that. Um, I, I think that there there's going to be a time when we're, you know, and this I don't think this is going to happen anytime soon, but we are going to start to see a drop off of business travel to the point where, um I don't even think there will be uh, a population of business travelers that airlines will uh, cater their advertising to or, or market to at all, because I think it will pretty much be non-existent. We may even be seeing uh, airline companies actually enter the metaverse themselves. So uh, they change their business models to accommodate uh, you know, the, the metaverse in that maybe they're not even flying anymore, you know, and they're just offering these virtual uh, air flights and to, to provide that in, in-person real world experience, but in a virtual environment. Yeah, it's, there are major, major implications to a lot of different types of industries uh, that the metaverse right now is will impact. And so I, I there, there's a lot of questions swirling around it right now, but I don't think, like I said before, I, I don't think we're, you know, we're six months or even maybe two years uh, from ubiquity here, but, you know, maybe five years down the road, we'll, we'll definitely see a huge uh, adoption of it, but, We'll see. All right. I want to know how many miles it's going to cost me to get a first-class metaverse experience, but we'll see how that turns out. <laughs> Remember that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? I think it was called Total Recall. Yep. They they take their vacations in this in this metaverse. So just food for thought. All right. Here we are. All right. <clears throat> Let's move on. There's a lot of interest these days in chatbots and we hear a lot about robotic process automation and now folks are saying hey with rpa and some ai we might have some intelligent chatbots i know you had a recent experience with a chatbot ordering a phone um how'd that whole thing go and you know do you think chatbots kind of work or are they basically some 
a hopeful way of maybe not, not relying on humans so much for customer service, but fundamentally it's not the best experience. No, well, traditionally it hasn't been the best experience. And, and for all, uh, companies talk about streamlining services and, and providing a much more enhanced customer interaction. Uh, chatbots just are, are not the, the way right now. Now, that said, things are progressing. Things are changing. I am seeing more, uh, uh, more of a kind of an, not, almost like a natural language uh, conversation, uh, interaction with chat box. That's becoming much more ubiquitous. And uh, I think that we are getting to the point where a chatbot can do the vast majority of interactions uh, with customers that are currently happening that require a human. Uh, but, uh, but there are certain things that, um, uh, that AI can bring to the experience uh, or machine learning can bring to the experience that uh, current technology is not enabling. Um, you know, for one thing, uh, chatbots can be trained to recognize your, your vocal cadence or your, your, um, how you use your keyboard, uh, to, uh, to type to make sure that, uh, that, that you are who you say you are. So that'll have, uh, uh, reduce the amount of fraud that takes place right now. Um, and there are other uh, things that uh, the chatbots will be able to do. Um, but that said, they're not going to be able to do everything. And I still don't believe that humans should be taken out of the equa equation when it comes to customer service. Um, but uh, but chatbots certainly are filling a huge gap right now um, with the number of uh, open uh, positions right now that you know we keep talking about the great resignation um, a lot of a lot of people are leaving jobs that they were not uh, very happy with in the first place uh, because of pay or because of you know working conditions or whatever chatbots are filling that hole and I think as more uh, organizations focus even more on the customer experience because they recognize how important it is, we're going to see a lot more intelligence come to chatbots. I think there's going to be some age differential here as well. I'm not sure that older folks are going to love chatbots, and I'm not even sure that I'm ready to be on a first-name basis with a chatbot, but I think there's a lot of younger folks who would just as soon deal with a chatbot rather than deal with a human, right? Yeah, I, I think so. And but I also think that the chatbot technology is progressing to the point where eventually we're not even going to know whether we're speaking to a human or or a chatbot. And it's going to be um as seamless as as if you were speaking with or interacting with a customer service rep human rather than uh, a machine. But to your point, I, I think because, you know, the generation, the younger generation in general, they're, they're, they're tech centric, they are digital natives. They don't have a problem interacting with a machine the way that uh, the, uh, the older generation, shall we say, the more mature generation uh, would. So uh, it, it's, it's gonna be interesting actually to see how quickly companies uh, improve their chatbot technology to, uh, to, as I said before, fill the gaps that are, that are becoming, they're growing larger every single day as more people leave the workforce. 
All right. Well, for all I know, you're a chatbot, so we'll see how this all works out. <clears throat> all right. Let's move on to the state of the workplace. Um, there was a survey from Ring Central, and it made it pretty clear that the people who had the biggest issues with this whole remote work thing are the managers and that the employees themselves were kind of either mostly all for it. Some folks still like to come into the office, but do you think that, you know, you hear about people complaining about working from home, remote work and all this other stuff, but ultimately is it the managers who are struggling with this and maybe they just need to figure out how to adjust psychologically. And that's where the issues are. Well, I, so I, I'm of two minds, right? So when you're talking about managers and business leaders, you've got people who are tactical and people who are strategic. The tactical people want to get their work done. So they, they don't care where they are. They don't care who's with them, just as long as they've got the resources they need to do their jobs. I don't think they're, they're the ones who are really being impacted negatively by this remote work. The strategic people, they need to be heard and they want to be in, in, in people's faces. They, because they want to, uh, they want to, uh, to talk to people and help them understand what their vision is for the company, for the department, for their brand moving forward. Those are the people I think who are most negatively psychologically impacted by working remote because, um, you know, it's that whole thing. If a tree falls in the woods is, and there's nobody there, you know, doesn't make a sound. So it's, it's kind of the same idea uh, if if a manager uh, imparts a vision and there's nobody there to hear it, <laughs> does it actually get heard? You know, it's it's kind of the same idea. But that said, I think you know we did see at the beginning of the pandemic this huge spike in productivity, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that there were people who actually were able to kind of just put their heads down and get some work done, and um, they're. You know, they they didn't have somebody kind of talking in their ear five for five hours a day and impeding their productivity. Well, well, maybe these strategic leaders can impart this wonderful wisdom in the metaverse using their avatar, and everybody will be there, and then we can solve that particular issue to bring things a little full circle. And then you just turn the volume down if you've got stuff to do. You didn't hear that from me. I didn't say that. <laughs> All righty. Well, it's a good thing we all have laptops anyway. So people right. may or may not be paying attention on a Zoom call. We don't know for sure. All right. <laughs> you have been doing a lot of work lately in the realm of digital business and security. You've got a couple of interviews that are up on Digital CXO. And I know you talk about this on TechStrong a lot. What is your sense of the state of security and digital business? Historically, <clears throat> every time there's a new shift, we forget about security. It's inconvenient. And uh, then, you know, the security people wind up chasing after something and trying to secure it after the fact. Is that different this time out? Do you think that digital business folks are realizing that security is core because there's a lot at stake with these applications? They're all mission critical almost by definition. Well, Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing more conversations that are security centric or security forward conversations when it comes to digital business. I think the events of the last uh, 18 to 24 months uh, with respect to cybersecurity, 
uh, issues, uh, open source uh, security, supply chain issues. We've had so many cybersecurity conversations happening over the course of the pandemic that um, it has raised the collective awareness of the importance of uh, having the cybersecurity conversation earlier in uh, the cycle, whether it's the software development cycle, the application development cycle, or the business um, uh, technology purchasing decision, uh, or the um, you know the, the 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 shift to the cloud, or or any of the other decisions that that are being made these days. Uh, it's it's really shown the spotlight on the importance of everybody in the organization understanding the role that security can and should be playing within uh, with every business decision that's made. Do you think the bad guys are zoning in on those applications and starting to figure out which ones are the more valuable and perhaps more worth their time than effort than, say, trying to launch a ransomware attack against some school district or something like that. Well, I do think that, um, I think the kind of what they call the spray and pray um, uh, wet methodology that a lot of cyber criminals have been using with re- respect to, you know, phishing and, and, uh, and, and uh, just trying to use that, utilize that method of getting into an organization uh, that will always going to be there. But I do believe that that attacks will be more targeted. Uh, They're going to really uh, pay closer attention to the vulnerabilities that are out there. And they're going to capitalize on them um, because they do recognize that there traditionally has been a lag between the time that a vulnerability is discovered and the time that it actually gets patched in an organization. I think cyber criminals are going to continue to make hay in that area uh, until organizations uh, do put a, a greater emphasis on not just security from the beginning, but throughout the entire entire life cycle uh, of uh, an application, a business technology, um, you know, a, any any conversation that that occurs regarding the. Um, you know, the technology and, and understanding what is going into an application when it's developed. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of noise around cybersecurity, but in a good way. Um, but there are certain kind of hygiene, security hygiene things that have not been, uh, you know, traditionally have not really been considered within organizations and patching has kind of fallen uh, I don't want to say by the wayside, but it, it has it has lagged uh, traditionally behind uh, what what really should be to have, uh, you know, really solid security posture. Do you think there might be a backlash against digital business transformation because there are going to be all these security issues and we may get to a scenario where people are saying, hey, is this really worth the time and effort because the risk factors are just too high? Well, I think we have to think about business transformation in uh, in in degrees, right? So you could have a a wholesale business transformation, soup to nuts. Uh, you know, everything we're doing today, we're not going to be doing tomorrow because we're going to have a whole new setup and a whole new way of doing things and a whole new um, infrastructure to support it. 
um, those those I think people are going to say, uh-uh, it's it's just not going to happen. Where we, you know, there there are too many too many parameters uh, that we need to consider, and and too many obstacles, uh, and too many cybersecurity uh, areas, uh, attack surfaces, and vulnerabilities that we need to consider. But if we're talking about digital transformation in a much more iterative process, where uh, we are kind of taking it one chunk at a time that's survival. That's business survival. That's never going to change. But what will be changing will be the emphasis on security as uh, an important part and, and quite literally the first conversation that happens right after the business value conversation. Do you think the mindset of the security people is adjusting to that reality? I mean, I talked to one CEO and he joked and he said, you know, if my security people had been around when the phone was invented, they would have told me not to use it because somebody might be listening. And we kind of have the same conversation historically where a lot of the security guys have a reputation for being in the office of no. Are the security people shifting to think themselves more as how do we enable people to do things safely? Once again, I think what we discussed earlier with kind of the younger generation adopting chatbot box technology, um, you know, being more comfortable to use it. I think that the next generation of security personnel, including this generation, uh, is they're going to be the ones who are more cognizant and open to the idea of being uh, being part of that uh, digital transformation conversation and less about, um, no, we can't use that technology because it's, it's going to uh, pose a risk to our business. Um, you know, there, are, there is still, uh, still a lot of security folks out there who you know, grew up on you know, the 286, 386 computers and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and ring land networks and things like that, that really have an old school attitude around cybersecurity. And it's a lot of them say security and IT never should, should play in the same sandbox. And those are the people who are going to impede digital business transformation. And uh, they may have the best interests of the organization in mind, in their mind, but they're, they're actually hindering business uh, when they have that, uh, that, that mindset rather than advancing it. So I think we're going to see as, uh, as we kind of flow into uh, a newer, younger generation of cybersecurity professionals, we're going to see that shift occur with how they view security as it relates to business. Yeah. And I think that the one thing they don't always appreciate is that business people understand risk. They go to school. That's what they're taught about. Every business decision has risk that comes with it. It's a question of the level of comfort of risk. There's no such thing yeah. as risk-free. Everything has certain amount of risk to it. And we're just going to have to, uh, Come to terms with that new reality, as they say. Hey, Charlene, as always, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me, as always. And thank you all for listening to our show. On the Digital CXO website, you can find complete episodes as well as show notes with the links to the stories we discussed today. And you can follow us on your favorite social media platform and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you all next time.